So good to be with you this morning. We're going to continue our core values series as we kind of look at, at the core values of who the fellowship is. There are a lot of things that people have known the fellowship for and a lot of things that you've, you've been here, you've experienced, you believe that that's kind of the core of who we are. But we want to give some clarity and some real clean lines of sight of what is the core of our church. If everything was taken away from us and it was just kind of us and just who we are, what are the core values? Last week, Justin got us started with biblically centered, how we always want to be in the, in the framework of the Bible. We want to stay in, in the Word of God. We want to be in step with what he's saying in Scripture, decisions to be made out of those, uh, those, those readings and those studies. We want to make sure that everything we do in our ministries are accountable to being biblically centered. And it's just important for us at the beginning of our core value to start with one that you would think would be kind of a no-brainer, and that would be core values or for biblically centered as a core value. If you're new to our church, this one is going to be one that you're probably going to have to stretch your mind just a little bit, but we do promise it comes out of the Bible. We've read it enough times and we've prayed through this enough, one, enough. but we have a core value here as a church family of plurality and leadership. We value plurality and leadership because as elders from generations ago began to study what structure, what leadership framework we needed as a church, as they got into the New Testament and studied some of the Old Testament scriptures, the framework of plurality and leadership was very important to them saying, hey, we've got to really make sure that it's not one man show. It's not a one person drives the, drives the bus here, but it's plurality and leadership. We have that in different ways, and we'll get into that as we start. But to this morning, we want to look at what is plurality and leadership. Some of you would think, you know, I've been here a few years, and you've said that a dozen times. What is plurality and leadership? And so for us as elders, as we kind of tried to kind of sharpen the sword a little bit on this one, we wanted to give you a definition. So if you look at your screen, we're going to point it out to you right now. For us, it really simply is coming down to led by God, our leaders, meaning our elders and our staff and our layer volunteer leadership, they all work together to reach into the respective neighborhoods to share the gospel and advance the kingdom of God, meaning we all want to make sure that we can do the things to do whatever it takes to develop disciples of Jesus Christ, to gather, grow, and go. But we're going to have to do it with multiple people leading the way. If it's just me, it's a very limited process. If it's just Justin, it's a limited process. But then you put us together in a team atmosphere, plurality of leadership, and now the strengths of Justin and the strengths of me and the strengths of other elders and the strengths of other of our staff members and the strengths of our volunteer leadership we can make it happen. We can help change the culture. We can help change neighborhoods together as we, as we have plurality and leadership, as we work together in teams. Now, for us, this is not saying that every other church, and if they have a, a different type of leadership structure, that they're wrong. There are many types of leadership structures out there. This is the one that we felt God was leading us to several years ago. And so that's where we are today as a core value. But it's not just about governance. It's about how we view the responsibilities of doing the work. Because we want everybody to have a role. We believe that every person has, given, has been given a gift and a skill and a, and a talent to be able to use. And so we want to be able to kind of look at that. So for those of you who have been to Starting Point, if you haven't, Starting Point is going to be coming up pretty soon. I know many of you have been asking. We're going to put that on the calendar really soon because we're, we're changing up with our core values. We're changing up some of our material right now. But in our, in our Starting Point material, you'll see a vision statement that goes a little something like this. We are convinced that God can use our city, and, or excuse me, God can use our church to change our city and our world. 
We believe as a vision that it's our responsibility to go into our neighborhood, into our cities, into our communities, into the neighborhoods and places where you live, even into the workplaces, and be agents for change, not for our benefit and for our glory, but for the kingdom of God. That is what we feel as, as, as we're developing disciples. We don't want you to just come in here and sit and soak and get all the information you can and then walk out feeling good about life. But we want to help you develop and transform so you can be a part of the leading process of advancing the kingdom of God. Everybody with me so far? In that, in that vision statement, it says we are convinced that our church... So when you think about church, if you're, not, if you're new to church, if you've been in church for a while, and you remember a couple weeks ago I said something about, you know, the church is not the building, it's the people, stay in that vein. What we believe as a church is that our church is not made up of structures, our church is made up of people. And our church, meaning every ministry partner that we have, every person that comes and is, is a brother and sister in Christ, we have established a plurality of people that have responsibility for advancing the kingdom. And as a church, as elders, and as, as leadership, we've taken that step kind of a step further, saying that we want to have plurality and leadership to give us that structure that makes sure that the advancement of the kingdom is actually happening. We want to make sure that God's, God's will and God's direction and God's desires for our church are advancing in the community as, as we have set it up. Because if we don't have leadership, then we're only going to do it as long as we feel like it's important. And once it stops, there's no accountability. So plurality and leadership is important for us to make sure that we keep doing that. We have that different ways. We have, like I was just telling you, we have plurality of elder leadership. Myself, Justin, led our lead teaching pastor, Lynn Taylor, our campus pastor on Mount Juliet uh, campus. We are staff elders because we have job responsibilities beyond the elder room into our respective campuses or roles here at the church. We have four elders that are not staff. They're, they're lay or volunteer elders that, that our church has nominated and they've gone through a vetting process. We've even voted on them. There are two of them on this campus, two at, our, two at our Mount Juliet campus. And that really gives us that plurality and leadership to be the overseers, the over, overseers of ministries, overseers of the gospel. We protect the gospel here at this church because we feel if, if the gospel kind of takes a right-handed tour, it's not the gospel anymore. So we want to make sure that we're shepherding and we're guiding, we're protecting the gospel for you to hear it and for our people to develop through it. We also have plurality and leadership when it comes to our staff. Some of you are really grateful that I do not teach your children. Because it's going to, who knows what's going to happen. And some of you are really glad I don't teach preschoolers. I used to be with our students. I still invest in them just a little bit. I help with life groups, but it's not just about me. We have a great staff that works with our, our preschool and our children. We're working on a, we've got a staff member coming soon for our student ministry. We've got our lay leaders that work with our life groups. We've got staff members that have other roles and responsibilities within our church. This is a team-driven church. This is a plurality in leadership. But even beyond us, beyond the elders and staff, that's still not enough. Because there's so much work to advance the kingdom. There's so many opportunities for ministry with inside and outside the walls of this structure. We have lay leaders or volunteer leadership that we have kind of commissioned into leadership roles in different ministries saying, join us. We know you don't have a responsibility from a job description, but join us in the leadership to help us expand the ministry, the outreach, the opportunities that we have in the community. And so that really helps us have a really holistic opportunity to minister into our neighborhoods and our community and our church because we have these different layers of leadership. For us, it's not just something that we had bad tacos one day and said, you know what, let's just put a lot of people in charge. We actually began to look at the Bible and start seeing what the Bible says, and it kind of comes, a lot of what we've done to come from the New Testament, but I started thinking about what about in the Old Testament? Is this, is this even visible in the Old Testament? And yes, it is. 
Two stories that come to mind, two moments in Scripture. One is when Moses takes the children of Israel out in the desert. Do you remember that moment in the Bible where Jethro shows up? And he's asking Moses the question, like, how are you doing, son? What's going on? And he's like, these people are driving me bonkers. And this is paraphrase. This is an actual text, just so read it for yourself. But he's saying, these people are driving me crazy to a point where Moses even prayed, like, either kill them or kill me, but something's got to change. Jethro walks in and goes, men, you are taking too much on. What you need to do is establish leaders to help you communicate, to handle some of the small things. Jethro is telling Moses, you need to establish a plurality in leadership. Fast forward a little bit in the Bible, there's a time where the walls of Jerusalem have been crumbled down. And there's a man by the name of Nehemiah that wants to go, and he has just such a burden to rebuild these walls. Nehemiah goes to the king at his own, at his own risk of his own life and says, my, my country is in trouble. I need to go help them re- do what they can. In his mind, I want to go help them rebuild the wall. And he set up different people at different stations in, into the building wall process where, you know, sometimes it takes 440, like 10 years to fix. He built a wall around a city in 52 days. He didn't do it by himself. How did he do it? He established plurality of leadership. You look at what Jesus did with the disciples. He spent three years on-job training with them to a point when he gets to the moment of Pentecost, he releases them to the power of the Holy Spirit, changes their language, changes their direction, and they go out and they advance the kingdom all in plurality. But then we get to the letters of Paul, and that's where we're going to spend some of our time. Join me in Acts chapter 20 because I want to show you in Acts chapter 20, but Acts also in Acts 14, two times where Paul establishes some plurality to advance the local church, to make sure that the people are going to continuously do what they need to be doing, but also that they're protected to do what they're called to do. So as we look at plurality, I want you to see in the New Testament two opportunities there where Paul says, this is what I need to do to make sure that we advance the kingdom. So Acts chapter 20 is where we're going to start. For those of you who like to go in chronological order, we're going to go backwards. It'll be okay, I promise. But we're going to start in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. Join me if you will. 28 says this. It says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which which he bought with his own blood. And I know that after I leave, savage wolves are going to come in among you, and they will not spare the flock. Even now, some of your own number of men will rise and distort the truth in a way to draw away disciples after them. So be on guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you uh, night and day with tears. What Paul is doing here is quite remarkable. And for some of us, it's kind of outside the boundaries of what we know. Because a lot of the organizations that we know that there is a singular leader, and that singular leader is responsible for everything that happens top down. In this situation, it would have been easy for the local church to say, Paul, whatever you want to do, you're in charge. But Paul's mission was not to establish one church. Paul's mission was to establish multiple churches and advance the kingdom of God as much as he could. So how can a singular leader advance the kingdom of God all throughout what we know to be around the Mediterranean Sea? How can he do that and be a singular leader? It's not possible. There's no way for Paul to multiply or clone himself. There's no way for Paul to be, because there's no technology, there's no cell phones or anything like that, there's no internet, there's no way for him to be connected hundreds and thousands of miles away and be able to be keeping accountable churches that have issues. He did that through letters and he encouraged leaders in those letters, that's the way that he would do it. But before he would leave, he would establish a plurality of leadership to protect the flock. In this particular church, Paul says, I'm, I'm putting you as overseers because you've got to protect the people that you've entr- I've entrusted to you. 
Because when I leave, I know what's going to happen, and wolves are going to come in amongst you. And even some that say that they are believers, they're going to come in amongst you too, and they're going to distort the truth. Plurality of leadership gives us an opportunity to make sure that doesn't happen. Paul was doing something that was unconventional but very necessary to make sure that it was multiple leadership. Because some of these leaders, while we do not have their history, led amazing churches far beyond a moment in Scripture. And it's because of that plurality and leadership that the gospel continued to advance not only into that region, but also into your life. Because imagine if the gospel stopped with that local church. Many of us, maybe all of us, may not be here. But plurality of leadership continued to drive, continued to drive the scriptures, continued to protect the word of God advancing into a place where now even we get to hear it. Go with me now to Acts 14. Just a few chapters back. And while you're turning there, let me just make a statement that I really love about Paul. He's one of my favorite characters, persons of the Bible. It's a well, and if you ever get a chance to study his life and kind of do a character bio of him, it's just incredible. But as you're turning to Acts 14, let me just say this about Paul. One of the things that I love, and one of the things that I hope that I'm beginning to grow in and learn, as you look at Paul, never once as you read Scripture do you see Paul advancing himself you only see him trying to bring the glory of God to other people. Now, there may be a time in Scripture where Paul has to say, look at what God has done in my life. But Paul never advances himself. He advances the ministry of the people. One of the beautiful things about plurality and leadership is the, the plurality of leadership that I get to be with, the, the ones that I get to invest with, and in many ways jump in the mud with. I can tell you almost to a person in that room, there's not a single one of us that are in it for ourselves. And that's the beautiful thing. When it's a true plurality, it's not about advancing yourself. It's about advancing the organization you're with. And for us, it's the kingdom of God and the church. And we always want to stay not about our glory, not about us, but about him. It's one of the things next week we're going to get to honor one of my one of dearest friends and one of our staff members, Sam Mallory. He retires here in just a few days. And one of the things that Sam always teaches me, it's not about him. It's about, it's about God and what God does. Because so if you ever ask Sam Mallory, you say, hey, Sam, man, thank you so much for doing that. Sam is going to respond with, no, 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 man, no, no, no. The Lord blesses because it's always about the kingdom. Join me in Acts 14, verses 21 through 23. Paul has returned, and he's getting back to three cities that he's been working with. And he says this in verse 21. Luke records this particular section. He says, after they had preached the gospel in that town and made disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Strengthening disciples by encouraging them to continue in their faith by telling them it is necessary to go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, they prayed with fasting. They committed them to the Lord, and uh, not only them, but those who believed. One of the beautiful things is in this scripture, you look and it says the necessary need for eldership or plurality of leadership is to remain true in the faith. When you have a plurality, you have other people that can speak into it. I have many friends in the room, and many of you have many friends in the room, but we don't go to the same person for the, all the conversations. Don't we generally find a person that's really good at one thing and a really person, another person that's really good at something else and something else, and we speak to those topics. For those that have experience, plurality is happening in your life, and sometimes you don't even realize it. But in this situation, they're going because they want to remain true to the faith, getting people around you that can help you, hold you accountable, guide you, help you develop to remain true to that faith. 
That's why even in your lives, if you're not in a leadership position, you're not even sure if leadership or priority and leadership is worth it, I'm going to tell you right now, you need a group of people around you, whether it's a life group that we have here at our church, whether it's a, a, a group, one of the ministries within our, within our church structure, you need a group of people around you to help you remain true in the faith. And also be cautious about that group. Make sure they're on par with what Bible says. Make sure they're biblically centered so you can stay true to what God's will is for your life. It's very important for us. The second thing that we learn in these two passages is that Paul's giving pastoral oversight to these people. It's hard to be a shepherd hundreds of miles away, so you need people in your life that can really guide you. Shepherds are not necessarily the, 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 the glamorous position in the, in the Bible at all. You know, we look at the Bible and we're like, man, Jesus' announcement was through the shepherds. Wow, they must have been like the rock stars of all shepherds. No, they were the lowliest of lowlies. They couldn't even go into the church. They would, if, if this was Bible times, and I'm not saying this now, they're welcome anytime they want. But if this was Bible times, they wouldn't even be able to grace the threshold of the door. And yet, and that Jesus was announced to them. As shepherds, sometimes it's not about the glamour. It's about the role in which you play. And the shepherding role is so important. It may not be glamorous, but it is so important because you keep people in the path where they can grow the best. And so people are put into leadership. Plurality is put in to help people grow, to give them pastoral oversight. The third thing is, much like last week when it's called biblically centered, really it's, Paul is establishing leadership so that people remain in the center of what God is doing. Remain true in faith. Remain growing. Because we have to stay in the center of what God is teaching us. We have to remain centered in what God is doing. Because if you realize and you think about your life, that moment that you go one degree off from what God is doing, don't things start to kind of break down? All of a sudden, things that weren't important all of a sudden are catastrophic. And you're not sure what's going to happen and what you're supposed to do with anything. But then you get right back into the center of God's will and you remind yourself, oh, it's going to be okay. You put a group of people around you that says, hey, we're going to keep you in the center of what God is doing. That is a plurality of leadership that you need personally. And that we hope as a church, as with our elders, with our staff, and with our volunteer leadership that we have here, that we can keep everybody grounded and centered in what God is doing, not for our glory, but to advance the kingdom. That's what we want. And I've got one of the points that I want to make to you, I really feel like it's important, is the plurality in leadership breeds a culture where we make each other better. The, pl- the, plurality, of le- the plurality of leadership, this is so hard to say like 15,000 times. The plurality of leadership in our church breeds a culture where we make each other better. Justin, we shared with us a scripture when he first got here out of Ephesians 4. And I want to share it to you again, but I really want to focus on the second half of that. So listen to Ephesians 4. You can look it on the screen. You don't have to turn to it. If you want to, that's great. If you don't, just look at the screen. But Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13 say this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip the works of service. Equip his people for works of service. Second part is what I want you to kind of put a star by and kind of highlight maybe and just think about for a minute. He did all this so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. All these plurality of leaders, the apostles, the teachers, the shepherds, the evangelists, all the leaders of our church, why do we lead here at the fellowship? Because we want to maintain unity and grow up so that we have fullness of the measure of the fullness blessing of God, the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his mercy. 
And if we are full ourselves, then it's our responsibility to make sure that you get the fullness of God's mercy, the fullness of his love. But here, let me tell you this, not a single leader in this church has yet reached the fullness of God just yet. We always want more. We always want a taste of what's next. We want to continue to do it. We want to grow. We want to grow because I believe firmly that we will not achieve everything until we're together as a body. We're together. So let's continue to grow. Let's not be full, but let's always have that little bit so we can keep driving, keep growing, keep studying, keep praying, keep loving, keep ministering. Let's fill everyone's tank as we go. Chuck Lawless, a a well-known church leader, blogger, guru, he gave seven things, seven reasons why plurality is necessary in a church. And really, when you think about why seven, seven ways how we can be building each other up, make each other better. I'm going to go through these, hopefully fairly quickly. Listen up, buckle up, here we go. Number one is that he created, God created us to be in relationships. Plurality of leaderships maintains the order of relationships are necessary. Second thing is that none of us is wisest alone. Let me pause right there. The beautiful thing about the plurality of eldership, the plurality of staff, and the plurality of volunteers is that we are not wise on our own. I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. Please don't amen or agree right there. But if I put myself in a team environment, if I put myself in a room where other people are wise, where I am weak, I am wiser. Not because I did anything, but the people around me make me better. If you think you've arrived, get out of that room really quickly. Because you need to be around people that build you up and and really help you kind of see that you are not the wisest. But if we collectively get together, we're actually a whole lot smarter. That's the beautiful thing about team. One person is good at this. One person is good at that. One person, you put us together, man, what a team we make. None of us is wisest on our own. The third thing he says is that we all have blind spots. We don't like to talk about that one, do we? We don't want to think that there's any glaring weakness in our lives. We don't want to think about anything that we may not do successfully or are good at. But we all have blind spots, things that we don't even pay attention to anymore. A good plurality of leadership in your life can help you see the blind spots and not to point them out to criticize and bring you down. But they can point you out so you can grow in them and they can lift you up. That's a good, that's a good plurality of leadership. The fourth thing is that it keeps us humble. I know myself, I've struggled with my ego and my pride more times than I care to admit. Some of you have heard me say that before. A plurality of leadership in my life keeps my ego in check because I have brothers and sisters around me that remind me it's not about me. Rick Warren made a, like, what, like a gazillion dollars off of a book that starts with, it's not about you. Plurality and leadership reminds us constantly it's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about advancing Jesus into people's lives so that people that are far from him, people that are desperate for him, can always come to him. Because if it's about me, then I don't care if you find Jesus or not. And that's not a good thing for a pastor to be. And that's not a good thing for us as believers in Jesus to be. Put people around you that will keep you humble and keep you focused. Plurality brings us multiple gifts. Things that other people are good at, then you get to borrow them. You get to use them. You get to be celebrating them. You get to watch them at work, and it's a great thing. Number six, plurality of leadership promotes unity, the, the, really the wholeness of unity. Because if when we say from the stage, we're all in this together, guess what? We're all in this together. It's one of the things, I don't know if you're new to our church, you've come just a few, just a few times, and you don't know too much about our structure. I can tell you this from experience, that we as elders, we don't walk out of the room in a majority. We walk out of the room in unity. 
So if there's decisions to make as a church, one of the beautiful things about our plurality and elder leadership is that we do things wholeheartedly, 100%. Does that mean we agree all the time? No. There's some elders and former inactive elders in the room that can tell you about some meetings where we had some, some fun discussions. We'll say that. But you know what? When it came to decision time, if we weren't in unity, we did not move. We took it back to the Lord. We took it back to prayer. We took it back to a study. It's slow. It's frustrating. But we were better for it because when we made the decision together, it always was the right decision. And so I love that when you, when you start thinking about that, when you start thinking about promotes unity, we can tell you from experience that actually works. And it's better when we're together. The last one here is I'll tell you this, and this is probably one of my favorite. Chuck Lawless says this. He says, we share the burden when plans don't work out. You know, I don't like it when things don't work. As a guy, I suffer from I got to fix itis. And so I really want to make sure that whatever I broke, I fix. But sometimes when decisions go bad or things happen, it's nice to have a brother, sisterhood of people together to go, you know what, let's just work on it together and work it. Let's see what the Lord is doing here and teach us and grow us so that it's not just about you failed. It's about we got an opportunity to work together. We have an opportunity to succeed because God has just taught us. We are a church that believes in failing forward. We are going to make mistakes, and sometimes we're going to make them on purpose, but not purpose to fail, purpose of trying something new to reach people for Jesus. And if it doesn't work, we go back to the drawing board to go together. We want to make sure that when we are in true plurality, we share the burden of what's going on. You could take that a number of different ways, but it's really important that we make each other better. The second thing I would tell you is we look at our plurality and leadership. It breeds the kind of culture where unity is preserved. The kind of culture where unity is preserved. In life group, you're going to spend some time, if you're in one of our life groups, if you're not, please, they've got the life group central board out to my left, your right. We'd love for you to get in a life group and be along studying with us as we go through these core values. But the study this week is going to bring you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I don't want to go through that. That's a really long chapter that all has some really great stuff in there. And you're going to study that. But I want to point out verses 24, actually the second half of verse 24 through 27. It says this. As we think about breeding a culture that unity is preserved, it says, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, that the parts should have equal concern for one another. But if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That passage of Scripture screams unity. Because we're all different. I want you to do something, and don't make it weird. If you need a wave, you know, whatever. If you're a little nervous, it's okay. Look at me. Take a minute. Just kind of do a, a, a panoramic. Do you see the people around you? There ain't a soul in here that looks like the, anybody else. There's not a soul in here that looks like the person next to you. Let me tell you this. Because of the diversity in the body, it also creates the beauty of the body. And we have a beautiful body of Christ here as we get people to using their gifts and skills and talents, their stories, their grace, their love, their mercy, all the things that God has given to them. We have a beautiful body of Christ that we have, have come together here at the fellowship, and we want to continue to add to it. We want to continuously bring more people into the fold because there are more stories. There's more grace. There's more experiences out there that God needs to share in here. But we're coming together as a body because we believe that when we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can literally flip this town upside down. We can literally make the difference that this city needs and this, these neighborhoods that we live in need when we come together. And because we're different, 
makes us better. Because there is diversity in the way that we look and the experiences that we've had and the upbringings that we had, it actually makes us better. So when you're thinking, well, like, I don't know if I fit in here, let me tell you, yes, you do. We need you at the fellowship. We want you at the fellowship because you being a part of this church makes us better. And as we come, as we look at plurality and leadership, the more diverse our leadership, the better our leadership because we can unify and say, this is the body of Christ, warts and all. And Jesus as the head of the body, Jesus as the head of our church, we can flip this town upside down for Jesus Christ and it could be amazing. But we need to have unity of the body. Plurality protects and maintains that. If one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. We've had many of you over the last several weeks, the last several months even, that have had some tragic, some really tough situations. And what I love is that different groups around the church have just rallied around you. Many of them not even having to be asked. They just did it because it felt natural. That's what we want you to experience. If one of you is being honored and celebrated, like Scripture says, we want us to all celebrate. I was talking to many of our leaders last Saturday saying, you know, one of the things that I recognize is I want to be able to celebrate what's happening in the church. From the youngest to the oldest of us or the well-marinated of us, as Brenda liked to tell me, we want to make sure that everybody is being celebrated because when, we, when the body wins, the body wins. And the plurality of leadership means whether we suffer or whether we celebrate, we're in this together. And then no one is off on an island doing their own thing. We want to make sure that we're in this together. Jesus in the, in the, in the garden is actually praying for unity as well. There in the garden prayer in John 17, he says this in verse 20 and 21. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning the ones that have already come, the disciples around me, the people that I already met. I also pray for those who will believe in me through, my, through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I are one. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I love that one of the last prayers that Jesus offered on this side of the cross is for the unity of the body, saying, hey, look, not only for the people that I've got to be with over these last several years, but all the people that are to come, I want them to be one. I want them to serve and to continue to reach and love and teach, sharing the love of Jesus. I was about to say the share love of me. That's not right. Share the love of Jesus. Share the love of everything that God has given Jesus an opportunity. Share that so people's lives will be changed. When we come together, share what God has taught you through life groups. Share what God has taught you in the ministry. Share the experiences you've had at a family, as a family. Because in that, we can literally change the world. But you've got to be willing to be a part of that. And plurality of leadership makes sure that you get the opportunity to do so. We want to make sure that we're all in this together. The last thing I would tell you about plurality and leadership, it breeds the kind of culture where doing ministry is, done, is better when done together. Years ago, we had a, a Bible study series. The first time that the, the fellowship had gone into this model of plurality of leadership, we did a study. It was like a three, three four-week study where we studied not only from the, the pulpit, but also from our life groups and ministries. And one of the questions in there, I want to point it out very specifically. You don't have it. It's not in our typical notes, but we found it this week. It really goes to what role can a life group play or take in the pastoral work of the church? And simplified, really, what role can I take in the ministry of the church? So what is it, like, when we're talking about plurality leadership, then what am I supposed to do? What is my role in that? When we do a ministry together and plurality of leadership is encouraging and teaching and equipping you, then we get to do the work of the kingdom. Going back to the Ephesians 4 passage, my job as a pastor is not only to lead this church, but it's to equip the people in the church to do the work of the ministry, to help you understand the joy and the function, functionalities and, and the successes of ministry. 
share with you in some of the sufferings, but really celebrate the joys and teach you because in there we all have a role to play. We get an opportunity to invite people. And look at, listen, listen to that phrasing real quick. It's not a, like a job description you must do. Change perspective. We get the opportunity to invite people to come hear about the hope of Jesus. When you think about that, imagine the plurality of our church inviting everybody they know to get to come hear about the hope of Jesus. Anybody interested in that? Please raise your hand. We got to be about it. We get the opportunity, and it's to encourage, like, to, not to pick on people, but, man, I invited my friend. Then everybody else better rally around and be like, we're going to pray for him. What's, what's her name? What's his name? We want to pray make sure they come. We need to pray and make sure when they come, they hear, get to hear the hope of the world. I want to pray with you. I want to join with you. I want to be in that together. We also get the opportunity to serve and care for people the way that dis- displays the love of Jesus. You ever think about the, the ways that you interact with people outside in the world actually display Jesus? You ever thought about that? Some of you are like, man, that really defines my driving. Maybe you should change that. The way we engage in, the way that we talk to the folks at the counter when we get our coffee or the person checking us out at the grocery store or the person that brings our groceries to the car. The way that we deal with our spouses and our children inside our homes. The way that I engage with my coworker. We get an opportunity to share and care for them in a way that displays the love of Jesus. The question is, are we doing it? It's a tough question. We'll let you marinate on that one a little bit. Another thing is that we get the opportunity to do ministry just like was done in the Bible. We get to live the Bible together. That's the beautiful thing about being in leadership in a church. It's really watching people like the light bulb go off in their eyes and going, man, that is awesome. I get to do this. I loved it when I was in student ministry, watching a student like really struggle with an issue in life. Not because I love to watch them struggle, but I loved watching when the light bulb hit and they realized that the Holy Spirit was around them. They're like, God is actually going to minister to me right now. Jesus is just about to change my life. There is no greater feeling than watching a person give their life to Christ and being there in the moment when the light goes on. It's just a beautiful thing. It's been neat to watch some of you, some of the, the adults, as we've gotten in life group and we've counseled and we've prayed with one another through some of the situations. The response is going, you know, I didn't know if anybody cared about me, but somebody did. And because of them, I'm now sitting in this chair. Man, we need to multiply that. We need to increase that. We need to make sure that we're all doing that. And as a leader in plurality of leadership, it is our responsibility as leaders to make sure you get those opportunities. We get to live out the Bible. Something that many people say, that's a dead book. That's 2,000 years old. It is alive and kicking, and we get to live it out. And plurality of leadership makes sure that we get that opportunity. Hebrews 13, 17, it says, I have confidence in your leaders, and you need to have confidence in your leaders to submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as you must give an account. Do this so that their work may be a joy and not a burden, for that would be no benefit to you. As a leader, I need you to understand something. I don't assume trust. I try to earn it. I don't assume authority. I try to earn authority. There are times that I have to lead and I have to, have to make decisions quick, and sometimes that, that people don't like that. They're used to being soft, easy, nice going, easy going, Scott. But I try to earn accountability. I try to earn authority. I try to earn trust. But let me tell you something. I want you to submit to our leadership as well. Because I know that's a dangerous thing. But I promise you this, the leadership of a church is right now healthier than it's ever been. 
And as we submit to the leadership of our church, we can really begin to change some lives. And I know that statement right there, let me tell you what I understand. There's some trust issues there. There's some church wounds. There's some un- non-understanding things. There's some things that happened in the past and you, don't want, you want to protect from it not happen again. But as a plurality of leadership, let me just say as an elder, as a staff member, as just a friend and a brother wanting to serve with you, join us in what we're doing. We believe and we're seeing vision cast that God is asking us to do this year and into the next years, and we want you to be a part of it. We don't want to do it for our glory and our sake. We want to do it for the kingdom and advancing it, but we need you to be a part of it. So as the writer of Hebrews, submit to authority because I promise you the ride is fun. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be some successes. There are going to be some failures. There are going to be some laughs. There are going to be some tears. But at the end of the day, the kingdom of God is advancing, and that's what we want. We want to advance it with you. So as we begin to wrap up, we conclude. I want to just challenge you some things. We, gotta, we have a different way of responding sometimes, so let me just walk you through that very carefully. The first thing is our, our table. Each week, we give you the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper or communion. And if nothing else, I would love for you just to, just to be with Jesus in this. As you think about this, like, man, the core of our church is plurality leadership. Be with Jesus on that. Don't be with me just because I said it. Be with Jesus. Read the Bible. Do the studies. Get in the life group. And see the beauty of plurality and leadership that the Bible displays. And then be in unity with Christ. As you remember him, remember Jesus, you did some amazing things. You led people this. So I want to follow plurality of leadership because you say so. And I want to communion. I want to be with you. Maybe you just have something you need to pray about. And you're like, man, I know I can hear it. I got to get involved with this. I got to be a part of this. I got to really just submit myself to what God is calling me to do and jump in to be part of the, part of the, the workers or part of the, the, the people serving. Maybe God is calling you into leadership and you just need to begin that process saying, I really feel like God has given me an opportunity to lead. And we begin to pray and, and seek that out. That's not an instantaneous here today, leader tomorrow. That's a process. But maybe you just need to begin to pray through that and we begin to work together to develop you as a leader here at our church. Maybe you just need to say, God, I just need to submit to you in this because I have a hard time with that. And so today I want to come and I just want to pray. I want to kneel here at the, in the moment. Just want to pray. Other opportunities for you is just to, to give to the Lord a prayer request that's holding you back from something in your life. You want to put that on the cross, I promise you we're going to pray for it. We're going to ask the Lord to be with you. And it's going to be a plurality of leaders that are praying for you that are going to come right alongside you in that. We may not call you. We may not ever have a conversation. But I promise you this, we're going to be there in prayer with you. And maybe some of you just say, I, need to, I just need to come to know Jesus because all this sounds amazing. This seems like we're going to bring some hope. We've got greater opportunity. We've got greater functionality. But I can't do this if Jesus is not a part of it. You come and you just talk to somebody. We'll have prayer partners on either side. We'll have a prayer partner there in the mezzanine for those that are there. But you come and hear about Jesus. Who is this Jesus that we're talking about? Who is this Jesus that has established this through his Bible, this plurality and leadership, calling us to be biblically centered? Because I promise you, when you strip everything away, what you need to see at the fellowship is Jesus Christ. And if you don't see Jesus, you come find me because we're going to have a conversation about it. Because I want to make sure you see Jesus in everything we do, including our leadership. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. And we ask that you would just continue to work in powerful ways. God, I'm grateful as a leader of our church that I don't have to do this alone. That there are men and women that I get to serve with that I get to have the opportunity just to, to, to jump in the mud with and just do things in ministry to help people's lives be forever changed. God, I thank you that you have allowed us the opportunity to stay in step with your scripture, to stay in step with your word, putting people around to keep us accountable, to keep us humble, to keep us focused, but giving us an opportunity to not only lead 
this generation, but future generations of our church. So, Father, as we enter this response time, would you just continue to speak to us? Father, if there's something we just need to unify our hearts with you, would you do that through the Lord's table? If there's a prayer request that we need to, to really leave at your feet, would that be the day, today be the day we leave it at your feet saying, take this from us? And God, if there's anything we need to pray about, anything holding us back from truly giving our all to you, truly just jumping into what the ministry and the opportunities here at the fellowship are, God, would you just allow us to work with you on that this morning, giving us grace and freedom, but also vision and opportunity as we work together to celebrate what you're doing. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.